Hey, the importance of understanding that truth is the language of evidence. Because evidence is what proves truth in a case. Too often we write things, make reference to things, but no evidence of it. You have to show evidence of things. Many ways exist to show evidence. Two primary ways is to get somebody else to attest to it or show the actual thing that you're making reference to. Primarily, show that thing that you're making reference to. If you're making reference to the Constitution, put in a certified copy of it. Or else that acting judge up there or anyone else for that matter are not bound or obligated to even put that into consideration. The verbiage for that is judicial notice. Yeah, we know acting judges don't always act in a judicial capacity. Some of them don't even take oaths. Then you bring the law into the case and you be the judge of that case. You say you're one of the people. You say you have all this right. Then use that power. Evidence is the language of truth. You can state a fact. You can state the fact that one court has jurisdiction to hear a matter based on a certain section of the law. You can state the fact that you have the substantive right to bear arms and to be security of property is in effect. That's a fact. But is it really true? How is it proven to be true? Show evidence that you have secured that property. If you don't show evidence that you've secured that property, then you don't have a right to it. Because it's just lingering out there somewhere. It's in open waters. Finders keepers. In some cases, they even beat you to the punch by just making you share things. Daily life, everything. You just share it. Share this, share that. And you're coming and saying you have the right to properties in effect. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Evidence is very, very important. Evidence is a whole language of its own. In fact, if you were to put 10 pages of paper in it, do your best to make the words that you are stating, the fact that you're stating, do your best and make sure that out of those 10 pages, at least one, maximum three, four, worst case, five pages, average three page are your facts that you're stating. The other seven pages should be pure evidence. The evidence speaks for itself. The evidence should be the primary thing and what you're saying, the fact behind it, should be the secondary thing. And when you begin to do that, you begin to kick ass. Denying is a form of evidence. It's an affirmative defense, but it's a form of evidence. Objection is actually a form of evidence. Think of denial as you put in a uh, cassette tape or a CD or USB memory into a given device and that device shows you an error that hey I can't read this cassette I can't read this CD I don't understand it's, it's scratching the CD scratch skips the USB device tells you that it's running too slow or that it cannot identify the device or the cassette tape just doesn't play. 
that's synonymous to objection. It's saying, okay, I see that, but I'm objecting to it. Denial is, if you put that cassette tape into that DVR, and that DVR just throws it back out like, nope. Or you put that CD in there, and that that device just opens back up and say, nope. Or you try to put that USB into the female port, and it just doesn't fit. Like you have different phone chargers. Try to take a iPhone and try to fit into an Android. That's denial. It doesn't even fit. It's not even there at all. There's nothing to consider. It's 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 dead. That's denial. And denials and objections are forms of evidence, and they are scattered all through rules of evidence, whether on a federal level or on a state level. And Another thing regarding objections, there, there are many different types of objections. We've all heard that when you object, they're most likely going to say noted. They're just wanna, going to feel like just casually going on. And you have to pause them in their tracks and say, well, you have to sustain or overrule. And when they say sustained or overrule, or if they overrule, you have to ask for what cause so you can preserve the intent or an appeal or avoid judgment. Etc. Etc. Or when you bring claims against them to point to that record, because that's record right there that you can use admissible evidence, self-authenticated. So you ask them, do you sustain or overrule? Sometimes they'll just respond by saying noted. Do you know the reason why that they don't tell you sustain or overruled, or the reason why they just arbitrarily say it's overruled, and then you get upset? The reason why they do that. It's because you're not specifying the type of objection that you're bringing up. There are many types of objections. And once again, it is scattered throughout rules of evidence. And one of the most pertinent types of objections is rule 8014 is hearsay. Hearsay is one of the most common types of objections that you can bring up. Yep, hearsay is a type of objection. An example is this. An attorney comes up, starts speaking. So you finally figured out a little bit of something. Attorneys don't have to stand in the capacity, right? So once they start speaking, or once they've done arguing, you start going on and on and on and on, telling stories attorney can't do this attorney can't do that you know the reason and the logic behind why you're saying that but part of the unspoken etiquette is that you have to keep things straightforward the more you know the less you actually really speak because all these things you're trying to tell them they know about it you kick their ass not by trying to tell them or regurgitate what they already know but instead of telling all those stories Distracting yourself from your cause of action that you ought to be invoking. Because remember, if when you tackle an attorney, all you're doing is just deterring them. There's still something else to the side where you have to bring your claim so that you can state a claim. To get rid of the whole thing, or to get a ruling in your favor if you're the plaintiff or the claimant. And all you have to simply do, mention that phrase, statement of counsel is insufficient. 
Yes, we know attorneys, and that's another. This is another thing attorneys never invoke. In order for an attorney to really not show their standing and capacity, or show their evidence of agency, which is the power of attorney that they have, because you know if you have power of attorney with something or someone, or you're coming in as a member of an organization, you're gonna have to show the evidence of that. Part of the rules of evidence and rules of civil procedure. You have to show your real party and interest. They never do that. And the only way they can not do that or qualify not to do that if they invoke attorney-client privilege or something like trade secret. And it's going to affect the integrity of the whole proceeding. If I disclose to you the terms and conditions in the contract that I signed with my, with my client, but they never invoke that. So you know all this in the back of your mind, or at least presumably you do. Just make reference to Translator versus Pagliaro and say objection hearsay. Once they speak, once they begin to speak, just say objection hearsay. Objection hearsay. Objection hearsay. When it's your turn to say what you gotta say or do what you gotta do, make reference to statement of counsel is insufficient, well, written or oral argument. This is decided by stare decisis. Therefore, I object based on hearsay, rules of evidence. Simple as that. Move on. Move on and make your claim. Don't let your center of attraction and attention be what they're doing or what they're saying. Fuck them. You focus on you and your claim. Get rid of all that filth that they're doing swiftly and bring yours swiftly. So one of the objections is hearsay. And here it is. Hey. Hearsay and the importance of affidavit of truth. Most of the issues many people deal with within these administrative courts, the many rooms, is based on some spurious, random, anonymous caller or some spurious witness who made a statement and their identity is now confidential. Or in some cases, the one who arrested you is also the witness and is also the complainant. Three separate important roles that must be impartial. And in some cases, they even bring random people who are compensated, who has nothing to do with the circumstance. In other words, actors. Who start putting things in the case, say, oh yeah, I knew that guy, he lived over there. I knew that guy, I saw him did this and did that. Well, within their administrative course, there are parliamentary procedures like the General Assembly of a state or the Congress would have. And besides the general court rules that's tied to that corporate entity, which is the court itself and their agencies, there are other rules which are the background foundation that are meant to be in harmony with the Constitution that they use as if-then algorithm, meaning if this happens regarding everything that's going on, we're gonna do this or that, and we're gonna adjudicate the matter this way. The general court rules are usually how maybe the, the court opens at seven and closes at four, or, well, this part of the building cannot be accessed or Room 101 to room 204 of the building can only receive 
the original copies or in order for, for you to access the judges chamber you have to talk to the law clerk physically and drop it at the drop box you know things like that when it comes to their you know a little inside administration of things but ultimately in terms of how things are adjudicated and the substance of it you must understand and you must comprehend and you must be in harmony with the rules of evidence whether it's on a federal level or on a state level you hear a lot of people say oh that's a hearsay that doesn't apply or when attorneys come in and you go oh that's a hearsay it doesn't apply but hearsays are governed there's rules governing hearsay and there are exceptions and exemptions to hearsay and what you have to do is if you just say if you invoke the fact that what they're saying is a hearsay which is a whatever statement that's not based on first-hand knowledge and experience if you're invoking that you have to understand how they receive it and the details behind it and why qualifies to be a hearsay merely just uttering oh that's a hearsay though you can't so you can't admit that as evidence that's not sufficient you must understand the details of a hearsay and as usual they're not obligated to tell you these details rule 801 article 8 and then within it whatever the specific body of you know law rules statutes act etc whatever the body of it is it would define how it uses certain words and can't go to the black's law dictionary that everybody loves so much or you can't use any of the loose definitions because this itself is the terms and conditions the definition is what governs how and what is being discussed what it means like the word instrument the one spelled with an n after the U and the one that's not spelled with an N after the U. When you look into the UCCs, certain chapters, certain sections have different definitions for those, and they're different. And even when you look at certain certain public act and general assembly, certain words like bear, like B E A R, like the right to bear arms, they define it differently within each public act versus the regular meaning or what it means in other bodies of common law within your state so regarding hearsay defines a statement as oral or written assertion or nonverbal conduct of a person if it is intended by a person as an assertion the intent you have to articulate it for instance when a cop stops you you can't say you're exercising the right to be silent by merely being silent, you have to verbalize it, say I'm exercising my right to be silent, right to not incriminate myself. Otherwise, they can put in their police report that he was acting weird and so he kept quiet. So that gave me a probable cause to seek further because he might have something to hide. And there's many, many stare decisis that says you have to invoke it unless you are deaf or can't speak. Then that's special circumstance but in order for you to assert something for it to be known you have to invoke it verbally I'm exercising this specific right and it's gonna reflect so a statement is something oral, oral or written kind of like you hear within Translate versus Pagliaro 
Smith's statement of counsel is insufficient, whether written or oral argument or summary judgment. Well, this is all this is connected. The nonverbal conduct of a person, if it is intended by a person as an assertion, meaning it has to be known, known that that nonverbal communication is meant to serve the same purpose as a statement. For instance, if you say fuck you versus the middle finger, we all universally know what that means. But in some other culture, that middle finger is a positive symbol. So if you come in from that culture and you're at North America and you throw that symbol, you have to make sure that you assert it, what the intent is. Remember, intended, same thing as intent. Intent is what makes a law, intent is what makes the crime, intent is what makes the substance of anything. So verbal or nonverbal, written or otherwise. The client is a person who makes this statement. Self-explanatory. The important part here is hearsay. Hearsay is a statement or excuse me hearsay is a statement other than one made by declarant while testifying at the trial or hearing offered in evidence to prove the truth of the matter asserted in other words hearsay is basically anything that's said by anyone who is not the main guy who actually said it meaning it's not a first-hand statement meaning if you and I are having a conversation and someone else comes in and I'm saying, oh yeah, that guy or that lady said this. That's a hearsay. A hearsay is a statement other than one made by the declarant, AKA the one who made the statement while testifying. So this is the condition of where hearsays comes through. Testifying at a trial or hearing. Hearing could be anything. Hearing could be they call it in municipal courts, they use this cute word, they call it a status hearing or a docket hearing. That's court being held right there. So that's also testifying right there. The moment that anyone opens their, their mouth and makes any statement, so long as it's not their words and something they have first-hand knowledge of, it is in hearsay. Offered in evidence to prove the truth of the matter. In other words, the truth is the substance of why, how, who, where, when of the situation. The truth is important. Hence, you must put your affidavit of truth. Because they would always do and say things that's contrary to what benefits you. Rarely would you ever find municipal employees who are quote-unquote honorable. And if you do, you're probably not going to come across them like that so the truth is essential the truth and hearsay are deemed to be tied meaning the hearsay something that might not even be true it might be made up because well how do we know it's not true well you're not the one who actually made you're not the declarant you're not the one who actually made that statement that lies or that disinformation can turn into the truth this is how they determine the truth of the case and they can say hearsay qualifies for it you have to put into consideration for instance when someone calls 911 and 911 goes to the dispatcher and usually municipalities outsource their dispatch service to other companies other communication companies and then those communication companies directly links 
to the system of the municipal police and tells them where to go and you can get transcript of it and everything like that so there's a deterioration of information one from the point of the man who called or the woman who called the dispatcher and then there's a second point of deterioration of information from the dispatcher to the cop and then there's a third point of deterioration from the cop who is dealing with another cop explaining the stuff to them when that other cop or that surgeon comes into the scene this does not always have to be dealing with municipal police and municipal security guard it can deal with any circumstance within man to man under any situation so keep the deterioration information in mind when it comes to hearsay and that should also be an affirmative defense but nonetheless Hearsay is basically something that is not said based on first-hand knowledge and experience or anything that cannot be proven to be a direct assertion by whoever is saying it. Now the important part. Statements which are not hearsay. A statement is not hearsay. If And also before we continue, since hearsays can be deemed to be truthful, you must put your truth in the case. If you're saying that this is not what it is, this is where the importance of the affidavit of truth comes in. This is the purpose of the affidavit of truth, to remove the concept of hearsay. And if they cannot rebut your affidavit, we all know it stands as law and truth. And then they will tell you something along the same line as to how hearsay becomes truth, which we're going to deal with, which is why you have to put your affidavit of truth. Listen, statement which are not hearsay. A statement is not hearsay if the prior statement by witness in a criminal case the declarant the guy who made the statement itself first-hand knowledge testifies at trial or hearing and is subject to cross-examination concerning the statement and the statement is inconsistent with the declarant's testimony at the trial or hearing and was made under oath at trial hearing or other proceedings or in a deposition kind of like interrogatories question and answer or narrates describes or explains an event or condition of which the declarant and person had personal knowledge and the statement is proved to have been written or signed by the dec declarant the declarant acknowledges under oath the making the statement either in the declarant's testimony at the hearing so on and so forth but the most important part right here when it's all said and done with all these legalese what they're trying to tell you is regardless of whether it's it's inconsistent or not regardless of whether it's during a hearing or not so long as the guy who actually made that statement affirmed that yeah the statement was right just cross-examination Direct examination is whoever it is that you're asking your own questions to. Did you rob the bank? That is the direct examination. An indirect examination is, well, based on the answer that you gave to that guy when I asked you that you robbed the bank, uh, what time was it when this stuff took place? That's an indirect. So the guy who actually made that statement or the lady who made that statement themselves, they have to be cross-examine that okay did you actually say this remember we're talking about what makes it not hearsay meaning what makes it truth keep that in mind meaning if these are not done 
it is deemed meaning if these are not done to qualify whether the hearsay is factual or not is automatically deemed to be truth keep that in mind so it is not a hearsay meaning it is truthful when the guy or woman who actually made that statement okay the declarant actually gets cross-examined that hey did you actually make that statement when was this how was this and why and when they do affirm or deny that it must be done under oath it must be done under oath it must be done under oath what do you do when you create an affidavit an affidavit is not an affidavit just because you're right on top of it affidavit or affidavit of this and that what makes an affidavit is the fact that you declare to it that hey everything herein is true and correct to the not best of knowledge of my belief according to the laws of whatever it is and then it is witnessed because the court proceeding is creating an affidavit through verbal judicial notice you the judge and everyone else is witnessing the statements that's being cross-examined that's what cross-examination is and the moment they swear an oath to it it makes an affidavit because there's witness right there listening to them and then they swore it and affirmed to the truthfulness of what they're saying the only difference is in the cross-examination versus a paper you're just writing it down so your truth must be through an affidavit of truth by swearing to the fact that it's true or affirming to the fact that it's true and correct to the best of your knowledge and belief and have witness to it or just get a notarized that's a witness that's even better that's an officer of the court that's a consular position that's a very powerful position as a notary so present your truth otherwise if you don't present your truth hearsays will slip if you're standing up there saying hey this attorney has no standing hey this cop has no standing but you don't have an affidavit of truth They'll just go, uh-huh. Okay. All right, moving on. That's exactly what they're going to do. And you're going to be wondering, oh, these people are bad. They're dirty. No, it's because you're not putting your truth in. That is the one way hearsays are considered truth. The other way is to get the guy who actually made that statement themselves to swear under oath, just like you would with an affidavit of truth, to affirm or deny that. That is it right there. Or at least that's the first step when it comes to hearsays hearsays and you saying that's a hearsay doesn't stand alone you have to present your own affidavit of truth it must be rebutted and two they have to be speaking under oath and then that attorney is coming up there not sworn under oath that's why it's hearsay the cop is over there creating that police report as a witness not under oath that's a hearsay and add that to your affidavit of truth deny that affirmative defense otherwise you waive it that's the first step but nevertheless just to conclude this rule 801 it goes on to say well this is one of the ways hearsays are admissible the statement is proven to have been accurately recorded by a tape recorder videotape recording or any other similar electronic means of sound recording meaning remember this is something that's being said here so an objective witness 
Meaning, it's the same thing as you saying it. Keep in mind, this right here, this rule of evidence is the reason why most of the time when they release CCTV footage from jail, from stores, from down the street, it's not going to include audio. Because that audio could, will most of the time show the intent. That's the reason why what's being displayed, which is the physical action, is taking place. Somebody might have uttered, uttered down the street, hey, you, I'm going to do this to you. And as a result, you took a fighting stance to defend yourself. But if the angle of the camera only showed you taking a stance to defend yourself, they're going to see it as an offensive move. And once the other party who's said something that put you in a defensive mode walk into the frame of the camera, it's going to look as though you're just getting ready to attack them. So they remove audios from CTTV footages and the most footage, which they do have, but they omit it on purpose because it's considered their property. If you fail to preserve your interaction, then it's your liability. But audio is extremely important. So if there's a neutral uh, objective witness, it can be used and it can be admitted as evidence. And I can say, hey, you, you said that. And that's the reason why you kicked his or her ass. So you had the intent. It was menzeria. It was knowingly and willingly. It was malicious. And you're going, no, it's not malicious. And I'm, showing, and I'm saying, okay, are you sure? All right, well, here's the video. But the video I'm presenting doesn't have an audio. Your affirmative to defense to that is, well, it can be proven that I wasn't acting in self-defense. In fact, since there's no audio, I'm bringing up the fact that prior to that, there's a missing evidence, a missing clause to that information that's being provided, whereby I had to defend myself based on verbal cues that I heard. So there's a flaw to this. You can always deny videos. If it's a hearsay, they're trying to say this is what you said and this is what you did. Oftentimes they will not they don't follow this at all. That's the reason why they remove the audios because they try to bypass this Always keep that in mind. That's why oftentimes some people will even go as far as to say that wasn't me in that video You can't even hear my voice. It's been proven so many times that people could look the same Unless you can hear my voice in that video, then there's no way you can really fully link what really happened Besides even if you say that it was me There are many things that were said that the camera didn't pick up my mouth properly you know, just, just many things. Common sense. There are many cases where people have gotten away with some ridiculous things just because of lack of audio. So, yes, hearsay is admissible if there is a record of it. But if it's an audio record and it's based on what's being said, then even better. If it's a video and audio, good. If it's just a video and they're trying to say because of that you did this, always challenge the audio aspect of it. And then it goes on to say, one of identification of a person made after perceiving the person. <laughs> Cops do this a lot. First thing they ask you is what? Your ID. Self-confession right then and right then and there. You are confessing and incriminating yourself. You just waived your, you waived your constitutionally secured right to not incriminate yourself. And all that is going to be used against you. So when they tell you everything that you say can and will be used against you, you don't have to say it verbally. You can say it by presentation of identification. A statement is not hearsay if one of the identification of a party, it, excuse me, statement which are not hearsay. A statement is not a hearsay if the statement is provided to have been one of the identification of the person made after perceiving the person. So your identification is a brief, it's a statement.
when you write something on a piece of paper that's a statement because there was an intent behind that statement before it was written down and that intent will be the same thing that backs up your actions so you can present an identification and that identification can be and will be used against you as a hearsay as a self-confession as an admissible evidence so the last part of rule 801 says statement by a party opponent this is not how it's admitted but it can be construed as such you see they scratched it out in some cases when you just line things out like this it's actually specifically pointing your attention to it, that this is exactly what it is the statement is offered against a party and is the party's own statement in either an individual or representative capacity meaning if somebody's using their your words against you then it can be admitted as an hearsay because well you said it is your words and when you listen to children argue children do that a lot there's a lot you know they say children speak the truth if you really want to learn a lot about how court works listen and observe children children deal with things in a foundational basis adults try to use some trickery which the more it's like lying the more you lie the more you dig yourself into some bullshit but children are very truthful and when they try to lie it becomes very obvious when one child is adamant about something and they know they're right and the other is adamant about something and they know they're right meaning there's a genuine dispute and someone needs to settle it they will both deal with things in a manner that's very similar to court very very similar pay attention to children they use each other's words against one another so a statement is admissible if it's being used against you whether somebody represented you and said that regarding you or if it was in fact the individual in this case they just use an individual which is you or a statement of which the party has manifested an adoption or belief in its truth how is a statement manifested or adopted as belief or truth <laughs> your affidavit or every time you take that witness stand you're sworn to tell nothing but the truth right well that is it right there that's the oath right there so it's the same purpose as you declaring and affirming of the penalty of perjury under the laws of the united states or under the laws of the united states of america or whatever it is you want to do if you come in as a tribal unit your own trust law do that or the bible do that or the quran do that even if you're using the chloran do that if you're using the vedas do that if you're using the ifa do that you can speak the truth based on the affirmation of one thing or the other so long as it's recognized by the law and the religious substantive right to relate to the divine creator is one of those so you can swear by that that's the reason why presidents swear oaths to the bible or their religious books so so long as you swear an oath to it whether you write it down or you raise your right hand and you start giving testimonies when you take that witness stand that right there is adopted and is manifested as a belief and it's truth that's how another hearsay is in evidence so whenever someone is coming up there and they raise their right hand to tell the truth nothing but the truth even if it is bullshit they consider the truth so it is up to you to object to it object to it the way you know how to or a statement by a person authorized by the party to make a statement concerning the subject attorney client privilege 
and a real party in interest. But there has to be an evidence of authority that's been delegated. Tells you authorized. So where's the evidence of that? So they just can't come in and start speaking as witness unless there's evidence of authority to do so. And these are the gray areas that are so slick and so subtle and they would just go right past by it. And these things are written like these on purpose so that it could be slipped past. And the counter to these things, for instance, here in rule 801 will probably be all the way in rule 20 something. But now you got to go all the way back to rule 20 something to really see the counter to this one statement that says, yeah, so... Yeah, this guy has to uh, have an evidence of agency or in rule 503, which is attorney-client privilege. I mean, or else, you know, nothing is admissible unless there's a claim of some type of privilege or secrecy that will, detect, that will affect the integrity of, you know, the man or woman that's being represented. Outside of that, good old rule 17 of Federal Rules of Civic Procedure, capacity people come in will always play a role and you always need evidence of that and then it goes on to say a statement by the party's agent or servant or servant concerning a matter within the scope of the agency or employment made during the existence of the relationship attorney client privilege or any type of interest of parties same thing there you go right there or this previous part does not necessarily have to return a client. It could just be specific to something like, say, a psychological evaluation. You can get somebody to attest to the fact that they've known you since birth or for a specific period of time and that you've had no medical history or no evidence of depression or anxiety and that you're fine. That could just be the authority to make statement concerning the subject, the specific subject. The broader version of this section C is this right here where you specifically employ someone or provide someone as your agent to speak on your behalf based on contract then it goes on to say a statement by co-conspirator of a party during the course and in the furtherance of the conspiracy this is usually where they have some protected witness program bullshit going on which you can still even attack that also you can still bring them into the witness stand and you can still deny the allegations and many more things that we'll be talking about in this this series it doesn't necessarily have to be that situation it can be anyone who basically this just means a snitch just put it that way so a snitch's statement is admissible as evidence unless you object to it you always have the right to deny and object Affirmative defense apply all day, every day. And then, of course, there are different types of objections, and we'll go through that later. And it goes on to say, or a statement by a person, or a person on behalf of an entity, the real party in interest, that has to be approved nonetheless. That's the hidden part that's not mentioned, but it's scattered. What I mean by it's scattered? So they're letting you know, yeah, other people can speak on behalf of an entity, but it still requires evidence of agency and evidence that you're a real party in interest. And privity. Ah, there we go. Privity means something that no one else is aware of between those said contracting parties. With the party or jointly interested with a party. There you go. So an evidence 
is admitted or a statement generally considered a hearsay is waived as an hearsay and is admissible as truth if there are interested parties so that's just some of the basics we'll save the rest for later so when you constantly talk about hearsay 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 just keep these exceptions in mind because they will use these exceptions to kick your ass and they will not tell you they're using it use the constitution but learn the parliamentary rules of procedure they call it federal rules of civic procedure rules of evidence this and that but these are all parliamentary rules these are etiquette rules these are basics of that territory that you're stepping into you must know how it works even if you're not stepping into it physically you must know how it works these are extremely ancient principles that are still applicable today just because they call it rules codes or statute does not mean you should turn away from it don't abandon that which is rightful to you just because somebody put their mark on it study it use it and you subrogate it to your benefit or else you'd be limiting yourself in order for you to know how to deal with what's coming at you you must study the other party you must study the other end and oftentimes you realize what the other end is using is what you can use also you don't necessarily have to put their mark on it when you use it you put your mark on it but make sure you're not doing it merely for the purpose of just taking advantage of something or proving a point don't prove a point go in there execute get it done and get out 